Hello and welcome back to The Mentors. This is Vadim. And Sergey. And you're listening to a show where we tell you stories to help you get through the critical early days of getting a venture off the ground. And today we're going to talk about something that seems like a little bit of a black box for a lot of people, be it founders or creators that want to get the word out about what they're doing. And Just that tell is, us. Tell us what we're going to talk about. I'll tell you what tell we're going to talk about. Jeez. Well, it's in the title. Oh. So did you read the title? I didn't. Well, you should have. Because it's called <laughs> How to Get PR or How to Get Press for Your Startup. Oh, that sounds fun. Sounds fun and interesting. And it's actually not as hard as a lot of people think. Because think about it, to get PR for your startup, you have to think about it through the lens of how am I going to solve the problem of the journalist or author that's writing the piece on me. In other words, there are these people that write for these publications that need to come up with content on a daily basis, content that's exciting for their readers. So if you think about how you can solve the problem of they need to write great content, you're already halfway there. And this is not something that we're just kind of making up from our own heads. We've spoken to several leaders of PR organizations, independent PR consultants, and they say the same thing, that journalists want to make a relationship with you. They want to tell your story. But the caveat is they only want to do it if it's noteworthy, if it's something they think people are going to want to read. And if there's one thing you take away from this episode is the way that you get press is by having a story worth Telling, But of course, we're going to give you a little bit more detail on how to create a story worth telling. So in this episode, we're going to talk about how to build relationships with journalists and authors that can get you into these coveted publications that will then write these pieces that will get thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of eyeballs and create awareness around what you're trying to do. But before we do that, we're going to talk about what is it that you're actually going to pitch to them? How do you make sure that when you do approach them, you're going to get a positive outcome and you're actually going to get responses? So most entrepreneurs think that the time they will need press is when they launch, right? And oftentimes you don't actually really think about your press strategy until you're about ready to launch and then it's already too late. But actually, it turns out that if you just want people to write about you when you launch, it's actually probably one of the worst times to try to get journalists to write about you because they are getting pitched launch stories by hundreds and thousands of startups per year. So actually, there's a lot of competition when you're trying to get somebody to write about your launch. So launching is something that's noteworthy and it's a story that could be worth telling, but it actually might be one of the harder things to pitch. Now, of course, you could still time it so that whatever story you're pitching to the journalist happens to come out when you're launching, but the launch in and of itself should not be the lead. It should not be the story. It should be part of the story if that's the timing that you're looking at. So, Sergey, if I'm looking to start building relationships with journalists, before we talk about the tactics of how to do that, How do we think about the story that we're presenting to them? How do we make sure that it's interesting? What makes an interesting story for a journalist? Well, there's a couple of different ways of thinking about it, but I think the the one main one is what is timely based on today's current events, based on today's zeitgeist, based on things, the trends that are happening in the world. And 
how does your business, your product, the market that you're serving, how does it relate to that timely thing? So timely news, cutting edge stories, anything that's cutting edge or innovative that you're doing that nobody has ever done before. Uh, and again, that doesn't mean you're feature dumping. That means you're maybe solving problems that are that people care about in a, in a very innovative way. Another pitch is like a profile piece or a feature. So for example, if there's someone on your team that's worth writing about or someone that has done some cool things, the positioning that you can give to a, to a journalist is write about this person and then the business they're building is kind of the background piece of what they're actually writing. And when you think about trends, as I mentioned earlier, trends could be a number of things. It could be political trends, news trends, it could be social trends, media trends, you name it. Think about how does it relate to your business? Okay, so then the two frameworks are, is it timely? And what does it mean to be timely now in this period, whether it's something that's in the news or a new trend? And then what's new and different about what you're doing? I would say that's probably even more important than anything else because people are inherently excited about something new. We actually talk about shiny object syndrome a lot on this show, which is the idea that entrepreneurs and creators often get excited about a new idea or a new feature for their business and they kind of forget about everything else and focus only on that because new things are exciting. Same thing for somebody that's reading the news. You're much more likely to click on an article that has something different than what you usually see or something different than you've seen that day. So think about how what you're doing or the piece that you're pitching is actually new and different for the audience. And speaking of the audience, that's another thing to consider. Are you trying to reach something that's mass appeal or can you define your audience very specifically and why they would be interested in what you have to say? And this is going to really depend on your product. So I'll give you one example. There is a company that's been on this podcast called Sea Straws. They make um, straws out of paper. They also make cutlery out of wood. Sustainable products that restaurants can buy uh, so that you know we're not using all this plastic. Plastic straws is the big reason why they started the company. Plastic straws polluting the ocean. It's even in the name, Sea Straws, right? So C-E-A, they care about the ocean, right? Now, we talked about trends earlier. If you have been following the trend, actually, plastic straws are now being banned in many states. So as a restaurant or a bar, it's illegal to offer plastic straws for your customers. It's a way that a lot of states are trying to mitigate the negative effects of this waste, this type of plastic waste. And because this is already happening in the news, this trend is already in the news that these bans are happening in these states, all that Sea Straws has to do when they pitch is attach themselves to this existing trend that's being pitched and talked about in the news. And all of a sudden, they get a lot of articles written about them because they are a solution to a problem that's already being covered. And for what Vadim talked about, this is a mass appeal product. Everybody uses straws. So they are written up in a lot of different publications and they're covered in a lot of television programs as well that do have mass, that mass appeal. So if that's your product, then maybe you can access a broader audience. By the way, another thing to mention in the realm of solving problems for these journalists is if you have someone on your team or let's say the CEO of your company is a domain expert in something, then you can write a thought leadership piece and then pitch it to different publications because probably you will know much more about that particular topic than the journalist themselves. So there's a couple of different ways to position this. Maybe they interview you and then use your answers in a piece that they write themselves. 
Or you write a whole article from scratch, a whole thought leadership piece from scratch, and then pitch it to different publications to see if they'd be willing to publish it. And again, you're doing the work for them. You're already writing the content for them as well. That's a good point. Now, how does this relate to what we talked about, which is should you target a a narrow audience or a broader audience? So again, it goes back to your product. Now, let's say your product is one that doesn't necessarily have mass appeal. Let's say you're a B2B technology company that's selling to tech executives or to CIOs, right? You're selling an IT infrastructure technology monitoring solution. Okay, I only mentioned that because I worked at a company that sold something like that. But guess what? We didn't pitch at that company regular PR organizations. We didn't pitch Forbes to write an article about us. Forbes maybe would write something about an executive of ours if if he or she was really successful and made a billion dollars, right? For them, that's noteworthy. But otherwise, we would pitch publications like CIO.com, which is specifically read by chief information officers at large companies. For them, that topic would be interesting. They know their audience would like that topic. So we already narrowed our list of journalists and bloggers to those. Now, Vadim talked about writing thought leadership pieces. That's exactly what we did. And hey, if you can't reach a big publication, even if it's in a niche industry like yours, you might start with pitching thought leadership pieces to smaller blogs or smaller publications, get one out there, and then use that piece to pitch to the bigger ones to, to show your writing style or to show your knowledge and that it has value. So you might have to start small and work your way up. And even within publications that reach a bigger audience, our listeners will know that one of the publications we write for is Forbes.com. Now, Forbes is somewhat niche. It's clearly for an audience that's interested in business. But even within Forbes, Sergey and I specifically write for the entrepreneurship section. They also have a small business section, money, leadership, innovation, lifestyle, right? They have a bunch of different more niche sections where maybe your piece would fit. And there's different editors that own these different sections. So now you can start thinking about how you can get maybe into a publication that has broader appeal, but pitch more of a niche story. And I can tell you that when Vadim and I get a random email from a PR agency asking us to interview someone for Forbes, and that person is not an entrepreneur or never has been or is not a leader of a prominent company and never has been, we're not even going to respond to that person because they didn't even do the diligence to to look at the kind of articles we write about, which it says exactly on our Forbes profile. So that leads to our next point, which is how do you target the right journalists and build relationships with them over time? So next we're going to talk about that, actually building relationships with journalists, and then we'll finish the conversation about what you actually need to have prepared when you do talk to these people, what assets you need, and a couple of other resources to help you get started if you have zero relationships but need to get press out there as soon as possible. Okay, so let's start with how to build these relationships. It's a long-term game. What are some mediums that we could use? Should we just cold email these journalists, get their email address somewhere? and build a list that way, are there other mediums where it's more effective to reach them? What I would do is I would start reading articles on publications that you like about your industry. And you can start building a list of journalists that wrote those articles and follow them on Twitter. Most journalists are very active on Twitter because that's how they get their name out. That's how they promote the articles that they write. So if you start following all of them on Twitter, And over the course of a couple of months, you tweet at them, you like their tweets, you comment and reply to to what they write to their tweets. You maybe even comment 
inside of the article itself if the publication has comments enabled. And over time, they're going to see your name and they're going to recognize you. And if and when you do email them because you have something noteworthy to talk about and you email them with a very specific pitch, you will say that, hey, I've been following you for a long time. I love your work. I would love for you to be the one to tell our story. And here is a breakdown of what's noteworthy. You know, here's our story. Now, this long-term approach is very effective and we do recommend it, especially if you've never published anything before and you don't have the credibility to convince somebody to publish you. It's just something that you're going to have to do. Twitter is a good medium for that. LinkedIn, of course, is a good medium for that as well, especially if you can write a targeted message to somebody and follow them and then again, engage with them on that social media platform, maybe occasionally send them something relevant, play the long-term game and build that relationship, and then ultimately pitch them something when you are ready. But I will say that there are shortcuts. Okay, the long-term game does work, but if you have something interesting now, if you focus on what we talked about earlier on in the episode, which is something timely, new, different, and interesting, Yes, you can build a list of targeted, relevant journalists, send out a cold email, create some urgency or fear of missing out by saying, hey, I want to offer you this exclusive opportunity to publish this content now, but I'm currently talking to a few other publications that are ready potentially to publish, but I prefer to publish with you guys because I like the content that you write, or I think that it's a really good fit for your audience. Yes, there is a shortcut. You don't have to wait forever if you have to do it now. But that means you do have to have some credibility already. Maybe you're a successful entrepreneur, maybe you've been published before, or you have to have something very, very, very compelling and targeted. Now, you might ask, isn't that what a PR firm is supposed to do for me? Well, sure. I mean, that's actually exactly what public relations firms do, is they help you package a story about you and your company and all the assets around it, what's noteworthy, and then they start pitching journalists to see who's gonna bite. Now, the reason why they have an advantage is because if they've been in the industry as a PR professional over the years, they've developed a, a, a list of journalists that they can they know they can go to that they'll get a response. They have relationships with these journalists already that you don't have to build, but it's pretty expensive. It can cost in the tens of thousands per month for these PR services, and you don't, never really know what you're going to get. So you might as well, as a startup... Do it yourself in the beginning to see what is noteworthy so that if and when you do hire a PR firm, you can kind of direct them a little bit and manage that budget a little bit because you already know what works. So now we're going to close out this episode with A, some of the assets that you need to have ready when you are executing on the strategy. And then also we'll share some resources with you that you could potentially use if you want press right now. So if you've done all of this work of actually building relationships with journalists over time and you're going to do the cold outreach, you want to make sure that you're ready for a potential yes or positive response from them. Now, the, what I would include in that initial email is maybe a brief outline of a pitch, but you should have ready actually a whole article written. Uh, because again, you want to do as much work as possible for that journalist. Of course, they're not going to just copy and paste your article. They're going to rewrite it themselves. But if you have all the assets, it makes it easier for them. That's number one. Number two, a lot of PR companies will work with you to create something called a press kit. And you can do this yourself preemptively. 
A press kit is something that a journalist will oftentimes ask for, and what it will have is usually your company's logo. It'll have maybe a one-liner of what your company does. It'll have the photos, high-resolution photos of all of the founders and leaders of the company and small bios of all the people in the company. It may have product features if you're a product-oriented business. It's basically a, a couple-page document that is an outline of everything that has to do with your business that they can use as assets when they write the article. Now, they may ask to do an interview with you over the phone or in person or even over email. But by having all of this information already in one file or one Google Drive or document, you're expediting the process. You're making the journalist's job easier and more likely that they're going to write an article about you than someone random that's pitching them that's not helping them out in any way. One quick story that I want Sergey to share is about a company that was actually able to get mainstream coverage several years back because they did something interesting. That company is called Buffer. Why did everybody cover them? What was new and different about what they were doing? And I don't even know if they did this on purpose, but Buffer did definitely do something noteworthy. What they did is they were one of the first software companies. And what they do is they, they help you schedule social media posts as a very basic sort of offering. They were one of the first companies to openly publish all of their conversion metrics that have to do with their sales, their customers. I think they even published how much they paid their employees. Basically, they were incredibly transparent about all of their business practices in a way that pretty much no one has ever been before. Because they were one of the first ones to do this, naturally, a lot of publications started writing articles about Buffer, and they do to this day. And so again, if you as a company, if your behavior is such that has not been seen before, that might be something that people write about without you even pitching them. But I want to add another quick story because, you know, you might say, well, I'm a little startup. No one cares about me. We haven't done anything noteworthy yet. Is there any way for me to get someone's attention? Well, let's go back to that example I mentioned, Seastraws. There's another strategy that they employed is they would partner with other brand name organizations. So for example, they created a partnership recently with Mighty Quinn, and which is a, a, a relatively known uh, barbecue chain here in New York City. And because they partnered with this known brand, publications started writing about them. So you may seek to have a partnership with a company that's bigger than you. For example, hey, if I'm a tech company, if I have any kind of partnership with Google, guess what? People are going to write about it. So again, partnerships with companies that are bigger than you, more noteworthy than you, established brands could be a way to hook journalists and get people to write about you. That's just another strategy that you could employ. Another quick story is that of our friend Andrew, who we talked about recently with his Instagram account, Pooper's Guide. He actually ended up on Dr. Oz, the national TV show. But before that, he created some credibility because he was covered by a bunch of different publications. How did he accomplish that? Well, in the beginning, because it was a local thing that he was doing, a highly localized thing, he would tag on Instagram local publications, smaller publications. And eventually, over time, one of the authors wanted to write about public restrooms in New York City. And he, the first person he thought about was Andrew and Pooper's Guide. Yeah. And so that small publication wrote about Pooper's Guide. And then another bigger publication saw that article and profiled Andrew as well. And so by getting written up about a smaller pub, and media company, it kind of snowballed into bigger, more mainstream publications covering Andrew, which ultimately helped land him into Dr. Oz's show. And also, the name Pooper's Guide is very attention-grabbing, so tagging someone could actually work if you have a very attention-grabbing kind of name. But say you don't have anything, and you want to get something published tomorrow, then I guess we'll call this 
kind of like a last resort resource because it, it might not work, but you will have to potentially spend some money on this. One thing is literally paying for a press release. There's different newswire services that you could send your press release to. One notable one is called PR Newswire. And what'll happen is they'll take your content and they'll just publish it in a bunch of different areas. It's not guaranteed to get a lot of traffic, but what can happen there is if the story is interesting and somebody comes across it, you might get coverage from bigger publications. We had a friend once that wrote an article that was kind of charged about drivers for his car insurance for uh, his website. car insurance company and it was pretty controversial but because it was controversial it actually and he paid for a $400 press release the article ended up getting picked up by CNN so that can happen you have to get lucky and you are spending hundreds of dollars there for a press release that you know may or may not actually get picked up by bigger publications but if that happens and you do get out there, you can then take that and reach out to other media companies and ask them to cross-publish the piece. That might work. Another cool resource that I've used before is Haro, H-A-R-O, Help a Reporter Out. I think the website is helpareporter.com, but you can check that. It's a free resource, and what it is, it's basically three times a day you get an email with a bunch of different potential headlines and stories that existing reporters and bloggers are looking for. So again, bloggers and reporters and journalists are looking for stories all the time. Oftentimes there are specific stories for which they need experts where they use this service, help a reporter out, to kind of put it out into the ether and then you can email them through that platform and pitch your idea. So again, that it it is kind of a spray and pray approach. You may have to pitch a bunch of different times and you have to hope that there's going to be something relevant in that email newsletter. But I've gotten responses before for articles uh, through that platform. And I'm sure if you do it, you know, if you pitch several times a week, you'll probably end up getting someone to want to cover you based on what they already need. Now, it isn't always an uphill battle. Once this starts working for you, you'll notice that you'll get inbounds from journalists, from publications that want to write about you, especially if it's something new and noteworthy and interesting and timely, and you do the legwork in the very beginning, it will get easier and hopefully you'll be on the other side of things where you have to fend people off and turn people away. Now, I do want to mention as we wrap up this episode that press in and of itself is not gonna necessarily save your company. We've all heard of stories where Companies get on the front page of TechCrunch and they're there and there's a huge spike of traffic, but then the traffic tapers off after a week and they never actually had good ways to convert that traffic and they don't actually get any benefit from it whatsoever. So that kind of, those are kind of sad stories, but the moral of that story is that don't expect for press to save your company, but do be prepared. You want to make sure you're targeting the right people. You want to make sure that once they land to a destination like a website, you have a way to convert them either to an email list that then you can nurture them through a newsletter or phone call or whatever it is, but you want to be able to capture them and convert them in some way so that they can become a customer or user or evangelist or whatever else. And if that if that's not the case, then it might be a missed opportunity. Hopefully this episode helped demystify the process of getting press for anything, but including for your company. As you can tell, it's not rocket science. It's building relationships and having some kind of value to offer like almost anything else. If you found value in this episode, please go into your podcast listening app, 
click on share and send it to just one friend today that you think might find it useful. And as always, if you have any questions for us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at Thanks so much. We love you and we'll see you next week.